0: Hello, everybody, Mitch Michaels here. It's time for another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. Great show lined up today. Chris Miller is going to come on, good reoccurring guest on the show. Chris Miller is going to come on and preview the Thursday night football game between his Oakland Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs, as well as look at other Week 14 matchups from around the league. And yeah, I think we touched on the Quake Thompson 60 point game in 29 minutes as well. And then I'm really stoked about this, Heather Pink's going to come on the show, she's a producer at NFL Network, she has quite the journey, quite the story to discuss, we'll break down that as well as her Chicago roots, and a lot of good content there, Heather's a very, very talented person, I was happy to have her on the show. It's the Money Mention Fact Thursday edition, it's December 8th, let's get to it. now it's time for a special interview on the money mitch effect a good friend of mine heather pink heather more works... about special hey you know I,
1: I don't know about special but
0: i mean that i, I really do. well heather is a good friend of mine who works in <laughs> nfl network nfl media and is a producer there heather thanks for joining the program and uh, chopping it up on the money mitch effect yeah no problem no I, I gotta ask you a few things about your background i've talked to a few people from chicago oh man it just seems maybe i'm maybe i'm I have a little tunnel vision, but it seems like it's just been a hotbed for sports professionals, at least the people that I've known. That. You get to some of these companies, NFL, Mid Tennis Channel now, and there's tons of sports professional talented people from Chicago. Do you think your environment had anything to do with that?
1: I think so. I mean, we sort of bleed sports. Mm. In the wintertime, there's nothing but sports and drinking and going to sleep and things like that because... It's just so cold, right? So it's like, (laughs) what are you going to do? I'm going to wake up and everybody talks about, let's say, the Blackhawks for the past almost 10 years now. I mean, the Bears have been atrocious. So there really isn't that much going for them in the winter. I'm a testament. You would, like, go into class in Illinois. Oh, my gosh. You're like, I would rather do anything. So that's what you think about the good stuff, right? Think about the, the Blackhawks and... I think when you live and breathe and that's part of your blood, I think that ends up translating into something that's that's higher, like a bigger passion. I
0: guess that's true. I, I didn't really think about it that way, too, as a Midwest guy. There was a lot of times in Ohio or in Missouri when I was in college where it was just brutal. Yeah. And you think, what would I rather be doing right now? Just watching sports. Exactly. And you gravitate towards, I guess, what you enjoy. In a city like Chicago, where you have all those professional sports teams, I don't think people from the outside of the midwest definitely outside of chicago don't understand just how big it is and how many people are devoted to each and every one of the different things
1: yeah they don't want to in the culture i think that's one thing moving from la to chicago it's la people that they're <laughs> man they're so yeah. passive right it's like they um i was in manhattan beach walking around when they, the king's parade and the kings were down there <laughs> doing their king's parade i'm like this is this is your guy's parade really <laughs> I can't even believe this. I mean. it's a I've,
0: standard bearer for hockey parades. in Chicago right? set a pretty good precedent, at least in the U.S.
1: But at the same time, is, like the Kings, at the same time, I don't think now, but they were just as talented, yeah. you know, and they won almost just as many cups. So the fact that their fan base was just terrible. I mean, I can't even describe the fact that just being out here makes me appreciate my background a little bit more just because everyone here in L.A. is so much more passive about it.
0: Yeah, it certainly seems that way. I haven't gotten to, it's funny because the one sporting event I haven't been to, practically college all the way down, is a Laker game. So I I'm, not paying, I'm see, not paying money for that. That's no the thing. No the way. money is ridiculous. No but I do, okay. the reason I want to go to a game is to see if that's a difference. Because all the other ones, you're right, it's just kind of more passive. I don't want to say frontrunner-ish, but... When the team goes south, you just get there, there's other things to do. We can just go on the beach. Absolutely. Like
1: that's that's the bottom the line. There's other things <laughs> to do. Or it's like I remember when Derrick Rose his ACL, I was a senior in college and I sat there and I watched every single game that season except for two. It was one of the Boston and, Celtics. Yeah, and you
0: couldn't just go out on the beach after eating. <laughs> no, party. you can so. sit
1: there on your couch cold when it's twenty <laughs> yeah. degrees outside and sit there and sulk. Drink yeah. a couple beers and hope that the pain goes away. Where here, I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna just go to the beach, right? I'm gonna just do this or do that and go on a hike. How yeah, about that? And,
0: and that's why I don't, the San Diego sports throughout stat, that's kind of ridiculous. The The longest suffering city is San Diego because they're really suffering. Yeah, right. In San Diego. I know,
1: right? It's, and I used to live there, so there, there's definitely no suffering about that. Oh, no.
0: Uh, before we get, I guess, more into your background, Heather, I got to ask you, as Cubs win the World Series. I don't exactly know, and I, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm not exactly sure where your loyalties lie. I've I'm a White Sox to, fan. Yeah, okay.
1: I am a White Sox fan. so
0: Was there any part of you that, then, as a White Sox fan, took enjoyment in the Cubs winning? Were you rooting against them? <sighs> so it's a it tricky was, one. You
1: know, it's tough because if the Dodgers weren't in it, then I would say I probably would have been rooting for them. But as a lifelong White Sox fan that grew up with, Female friends that were never intelligent about the Cubs, right? You're know, like, yeah. And, like I grew up loving the White Sox. I grew up Frank Thomas, all those guys. So no, I wasn't exactly cheering for the Cubs. And the only reason why I was happy for them, I was happy for my friends, right. for my father who was a Cubs fan. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Now we don't have to listen to this crap anymore about oh, hundred seven year. What you know what? Good. Well, I'm glad that crap is over with because I cannot wait to actually focus on the real baseball. But I think that. What people don't realize is, is I think the Cubs fans now are going to be just rotten spoiled.
0: Turn into the Yankees or oh Red, turn my into gosh. the Red Sox fans who they break their curse and then it's just they're unbearable.
1: Yes. Wow. I, so yeah, I would think the latter is going to be that because they're going to be so riding the high horse. They have the youngest, probably one of the youngest ball clubs in all of the MLB, and yet they aren't going anywhere.
0: No, and they just got Wade Davis today. I mean, they have the they have the cap room. They have Theo Epstein who does everything he touches is gold. Yep. They're not going anywhere. And that kind of, you brought up something else interesting, too. Was it weird in your family rooting for a baseball team, rooting for a sports team that your dad didn't root for?
1: Not really. I think we, we never used to go to Cubs games growing up. What people don't realize here, so you mentioned about the Lakers game, how expensive it is. If you were to go to Chicago in the wintertime, every sport is expensive. Every You're yeah. going to pay the same Lakers price. You're going to pay for a Blackhawks, a Bulls, a Bears, like all of it. You're paying at least a 100 bucks a pop just to walk in the
0: stadium yeah, at the very minute. right? But tickets that are always available.
1: <laughs> right? But at the, t- at the time, growing up, Cubs were still super expensive. Thinking about the Sammy Sosa era. That's when I grew up. So it's going to cost, and my father, who will never take public transportation like that, it'll only take it certain times. Like, he actually went to a World Series game, and he did. Wow. He's like, I'm not driving down there. No way. No way I'm going to drive <laughs> down there, pay 100 bucks per gosh, person yeah. for me... My little sister, who gives two craps about baseball, <laughs> like, he, she, you know what, like, she doesn't know what a fourth down is, let, let, you know, let alone, like, sure extra innings, in or, like, <laughs> I love her to death, but we never went to games, so I always went to White Sox games growing up, so I, I've always just gravitated that way, and then they won the uh, World Series in 05, and I just, I love that team. That was probably one of the best teams in all of baseball. One of the
0: most dominant postseason runs in the history of the game. It was unreal. It was unprecedented. It does make sense, though, having two teams from the same city in the same sport is a unique you know, set of circumstances across this country to be happy for your friends and also mm-hmm. be happy that the drama is over.
1: I'm just done with it now. I'm like, you know what, I couldn't wait for it to be over just to stop hearing people. <laughs> Not so much. I, yeah. I enjoy baseball because postseason of most sports... Outside of basketball, I think is fantastic. Postseason hockey, postseason baseball, and especially, you know, the playoffs in the NFL. I think you're just mm-hmm. special games. You you can't recreate the energy. And I was just sick of listening to people. Like <laughs> so sick.
0: Well, yeah, I understand. It, it's you're preaching to the choir. It was the narrative that yeah. wouldn't die. And now it's over, so hopefully we can move on. We'll still chatting with Heather Pink on the money Mitch effect. I wanna dive into your background now. Before you got to Illinois, uh, in beautiful Champaign, Illinois, yeah. my dad, the university there, was there a moment either before college or at college when you thought, I really want to be a sports professional, like this is something I would like to see if I can make a career out of?
1: Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do going there. So I reluctantly chose Illinois. I went there once, and I was like this campus is beautiful because I was still in the back of my mind thinking that maybe Michigan was an option. Oh yeah and I wasn't
0: sarcastic. I've been to Champaign. It's a beautiful campus. It's beautiful. You don't really think it going in but it is.
1: No. A friend of a friend told Illinois was being a part of the Big Ten student U program which basically they would the Big Ten Network allowed each school to put on productions of the games that let's say like the leftover games right Big Ten Network's going to bring down their trucks for x amount of games of the year and all the other games was going to be given to the students. So we had the opportunity to do play-by-play and color commentary. And a friend of mine told the person in charge, she's like, oh yeah, she can talk sports. And wow. I started my first semester, there was four girls and four guys. And then my second semester was just me and all the rest of the guys. It was just me. Wow. Um. So I sort of knew then like, I was doing like softball games and baseball yeah. games. And the worst one, to be honest, was volleyball. If I could do that, like this is really cool. And something that I'm passionate about. And I couldn't find a single thing that I was passionate about otherwise because everyone knew that sports was always in my like DNA
0: right no that makes sense and you only really learn by those experiences yeah I'm sure along the way you probably had moments where it felt like you know everything was just thrust at you immediately like you had to adjust on the fly like calling a volleyball game that's That's the worst it It was it
1: honestly like for someone that's five feet tall who played volleyball (laughs) for about two years of my life And you can study so much, but if you're sometimes not in the thick of it, thankfully, I only did play-by-play, which maybe I don't know if thankfully is the right word. I wasn't giving analysis, but at the same time, doing play-by-play is like sort of a really quick ping-pong match. Like, what's happening? Oh, my gosh. Everything was a a pre-, a halftime, a post-stand-up, post-game interview with the head coach. I did some sideline reporting for men's basketball towards the end of my career. End up doing some producing with that, so they could let you really rein in on anything, which is how I think I ended up getting grasping for the whole TV effect super early.
0: And I wanted to also ask you, that first interview, like you said you interviewed coaches, you'd sign on, what was it like the first time, I'm always interested to hear this too, like the first time you gave a real interview, what was going through your head then, how did you prepare to yeah. get the job done?
1: Well, I did a lot of women's basketball, so I was pretty familiar with my first um, interview was with the women's head coach Illinois, but the nerve-wracking interviews are with a little bit of the higher names. So Bruce Weber. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's one guy where he's like, you're going to get your three questions, and then I'm going to get the hell out of here. You know what I'm saying? But actually, we had a nationally ranked volleyball team at the time, and the head coach was about seven feet tall.
0: <laughs> yep. I'm just I'm, I'm putting this together in my mind. Five
1: and, feet yeah interviewing seven feet doesn't exactly equal up and even an apple box which is what shorter females wear on camera it didn't even make up for the difference wow it was so yeah like those are the big ones i I interviewed you know myers leonard some of those guys that came through it never really intimidated me i think sometimes the hardest part for me was doing the halftime and doing especially just the post-game wrap-up and you know i I think when you watch so many sports, you know the softball questions you're going to ask the coach. You know, would it feel like this or that? You know, what went into the decision going forward or doing this and calling, like you you know those things. I think at the end of the day, it's taking your analysis and wrapping it up is best for the viewers.
0: Especially, you're probably drained a little bit from calling oh, it yeah. from from maybe what went on in the interview and then to have to regroup at the end of the day and, and wrap it up you're very right, quickly it's very, too. It's a very underrated skill. Some of these studio hosts can make it look seamless. So yeah. I I'm with you there. And I know you had some some decent uh, Illinois athletic teams when you were there. It wasn't the best but Decent. The football team's not in the place where you'd want it to be I know with Bobby Smith there now, but you know, there there might be some signs of progress on the horizon. Well,
1: I will say when I went to school we end up we were nationally ranked at one point in time. My senior year I was a columnist for the football team. And that's when we had Whitney Merciless and um, that's how I became good friends with him. Was when we were in college, okay. I noticed that part of his index finger is gone, and that kind of stuff. We went. We were the first NCAA team to go six and zero and own six in one season. We became nationally ranked at six and zero, and then we just went down the pipeline for the remaining six games, and then we ended up winning against Northwestern that was year. Was there? What was the
0: game? I think you were there when they had to switch field. The field was they put on the baseball field. They switched directions because there was enough room. I think they might have played at Wrigley or something. It was Wrigley. Yeah. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah. That was Wrigley when Mikel the It's the last game of the yeah. season. Uh, yeah. It was when I went to school. I didn't go to the game, but yeah. They had to switch. I think Mikel the Shore ran for like 300 yards that game. Yeah. That's
0: right. Those Northwestern Illinois games. I'm sure there's I no hate love ball. <laughs> yeah. I hate.
1: I will say, it, everybody always asks me because yeah. they know how passionate of a fan. They're like, oh, so what teams do you hate? I think every Big Ten team is going to say Ohio State. I personally like Michigan. I've always liked Michigan my whole mm-hmm. life. For me, Indiana and Northwestern are like top two hatreds of my life. Like, if anybody says, oh, yeah, I went to Northwestern, I'm like,
0: uh, uh <laughs> That's got, so it's uh, Chicago. There's a little bit of an elitist thing there. I, we could call it what it is. They yeah. try to be the, the academic, you know, chaplain of the big town.
1: We're, we're, we're the all-inclusive campus. They're just so exclusive and their academics are not as, not as superior as people think they are.
0: Well, it's funny because the year that I was at Champaign, was my freshman year, the year. And I was there the day while it was going on that the Illinois football team was playing and beating number one ranked Ohio State in Columbus. Yeah. The Rose Bowl year. That was, I... That didn't make you want to go to the school there. And I'm just,
1: yeah, and that was a little know, bit of a final push. Bowl, yeah. But then when you saw what happened to Rose Bowl, you're like, oh.
0: This so, so little we'll chat with Heather Pink on the Money Mitch Effect. And let's talk about when you graduated college. What was like I guess the first professional experience you had and how did that process go?
1: So first stop out of college, I worked with Triple Crown Sports, which they broadcasted softball and baseball games, tournaments really across the country. I did some Southern reporting for them because those games on TV would be broadcasted on CBS Sportsnet. So I did that for the summer, went out to NFL, so out here in Culver City for my first season. After my first season, I went down to Fox Sports Net San Diego, okay. worked with them and the Padres on their, uh, when they had a 10-game losing streak, which was fantastic. They also had Adrian Gonzalez and Jed Jerko, and then I moved back up here, and I've been here ever since. So. Wow.
0: So that's, yeah, that's interesting, and, and I guess my first question with that is, because now I know you as this producer, this yeah. fellow Network established producer, what, I guess, prompted the switch from in front of the camera to behind it? Was that... Something that you had thought about doing or did opportunity present itself?
1: A friend of mine told me that you can be really good at one thing and you can be really good at a lot of things and nobody's going to know the difference. But when it comes down to applying to jobs and doing this and that, when you're only going to sell yourself short and you can be doing so many things, like why not? So right. when I was going through school, not only was I doing play-by-play and color commentary on camera for Big Ten Network, but I was also producing my own radio show and doing these all these other things. And, I'll, and at the time, when I got through college more, we had our own broadcast through our school, and that was part of our program, and I loved producing the whole entire newscast, end-to-end, end, line producing. Wow. So doing that, I mean, <laughs> that of kind of so. stuff, before, yeah, I thought both things sort of were in my path, and to be honest, the reason why I only did on camera, it was a cool experience, and it was fun, but at the same time, too, is I was sick of these females going on camera and just... <laughs> mispronouncing names and mispronounced names like you don't mispronounce the way you say Peyton Manning like there's only (laughs) so many ways you can mess that name up I was just sick of being like you can tell this girl doesn't know anything
0: and and that's more homework too that's the most frustrating it is and it's all it
1: is knowledge
0: is one thing and that's a whole other discussion but if you are too lazy or just want to take shortcuts and not do the homework it shows up and that's a job where you're on full display. Yeah.
1: You can tell the difference between someone that has read the stats on Michigan and someone that's watched most of Michigan and Ohio State's games. I think just plain old simple, when when you hear some of the commentators, they banter, or you can just tell when an anchor is more confident in their knowledge, and I was just so sick of it, which is, so, which is why I went down the route of let's do on camera, let's do on camera, and that ended up helping me so much more with my producing because... That helps me stand apart from the other producers because I've known what it's like to someone be talking in in my IFB, jamming me while I'm trying to talk at the same time and sort of being diligent about what can I bring to the table because I've done this. Of course, yeah.
0: No, and it makes sense. You kind of put yourself in a position to succeed in one job because you have experience Mm -hmm. in another. Now, when you got to NFL Network, I guess I'll lead with this. I have some experience at that company, too. You know there's a lot of people that come in every year and get hired, but you manage to stick with a full-time gig there and to separate yourself. How were you able to do that? What do you think sets yourself apart going into a job that it's a dream job for a lot of people but can be hard to distinguish yourself?
1: I think, I tell this to a lot of people too, there's luck, there's timing, and then there's just skill, and I think I caught a strand of each one of them. And right. there was a time where people were leaving, and I sort of caught the opportunity, and my contract was up and I was getting extended and extended and there was just sort of a crossroads where it just, I guess in their minds it felt right. And I've worked hard enough and I'd been in positions at that time or done projects where the expectations were either really low from their standpoint and I proved them wrong. And I think that that was more potential that they saw.
0: Right. And I'm sure it's goes into not just doing the job, doing the job above and beyond what is expected. And, and probably, I guess, knowing you and knowing some of the different roles, I would say doing things that might not be your first choice to make your mark, and then ultimately have your pick of the litter. I
1: mean that's what it is. Sometimes the boss gonna be like, "I don't care what you like. You're just gonna yeah. do it right." And I think sometimes being successful means you gotta do it right, do deficient. Sometimes do things you don't want to do, but also be different about it. And I think sometimes what slips on other people, because I've been in so many control rooms that you see the panic and you feel it. You can. You can hear it and you can see that stress changes people in a lot of different ways. And I think that if, and people see it too. If you're like, I'm going to walk away from this and I'm not going to be that stressed guy. The guy that just reams everybody else.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I guess going off of that, you were what, 24 when you were head producer of the NFL Fantasy Watch show? I I think so, yeah. Not to just kind of 30 age out there, but it's just one where it looks a little better, you know, the younger side of it. Sure, yeah that has to be I, I want to say like a great job but also like a lot of pressure on the average 24 year old. i don't think i slept <laughs> i don't
1: think i slept that season to be honest with you i, I wasn't gonna
0: say that i know we worked together that year yeah we I did you know I, there might have been times when you look a little sleep deprived yeah but oh, yeah. especially a sunday morning show that a lot of people don't realize was the true live show mm-hmm. and in the west coast that's what 7 7 30 you start mm-hmm. taping segments that's early a long day probably no sleep involved but again something where to kind of expand on that you were able to just do exemplary work and and move forward in your career
1: yeah i told my mom this because with females sometimes weight is a big topic i'm like mom i think i actually lost weight this season because i was stressed so much (laughs) like oh my gosh (laughs) didn't sleep i mean getting up for me i think a lot of people can find success with consistency and I think when you can find rhythms in your job and rhythms in what you do, you can able to find pockets to do other things and to be more creative. And I was getting up at random times and getting up every every Sunday morning at 4 o'clock. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate my life. What am I doing? And of course, a lot of it was so rewarding by the time you had your second cup of coffee in yeah. and you're feeling good. That 10 o'clock rolls around on the West Coast and football starts. But it's all good experience and I wouldn't have changed it for the world. And
0: you know, it's... Not to steal the metaphor, but it's a season. It is you live with that season schedule. The NFL, seventeen weeks of programming. There's ups, there's downs. There's yep. good weeks. There's quote unquote wins, and some shows you like to have back. The one thing I don't think people realize, I didn't realize until I was in there in that control room, is just how chaotic a control <laughs> room can be. Yeah. And that's not a slight on on anybody who was there. It's just the nature of the business is high energy, you know, a lot of stress, but it can fuel and make. The success that much more rewarding.
1: It can also make the small things the big things, which sometimes people don't realize that whether it's one slip up that turns into three that changes the direction, you know, I think when you're the right. producer, you have to like be they heading the caboose. Feeding. You yeah. have to be not only heading the caboose, but when things happen, you can't be the one that sits there and bangs your head on the table and cusses and does this and does that because, in the end of the day, like, you have people sit next to you trying to figure out, they're trying to follow your lead. When something bad happens, not letting it unravel to the whole rest of the show is something that's so important that people don't realize.
0: And at the time, you were doing two shows a week. Yes. Over 30 shows a year. It's got to be important, I would think, especially in your case, to just be able to move on to the next one, good or bad. It was a good show, got to get to work on the next one. Yeah. If it was bad, just forget it. We'll improve as we go along.
1: I mean, Sunday Sunday mornings at approximately 10 a.m., games would start. I'd be working on my Wednesday show at 11.30, oh, just starting yeah. the foundation for it. That way, because sometimes the little stuff, like the, like the foundation, the segments you need to do, the sponsorships, you just get that stuff out of the way so I can figure out what I can play with and can be creative with.
0: Yeah, well, it definitely worked out for you. As you transition, as we kind of transition here with Heather Pink on the Money Mitch Effect, now working in social. Yes. And now, you know, it was a slow transition. I think last year you kind of did a less of a fantasy workload, and now you're full-on NFL social producer. Yeah. And I could just tell a little bit with you and some of the people working there that this is kind of more aligned with how you can be creative and what you exactly want to do and just the joy you take out of it.
1: I think what people don't realize is no longer is social, something that we do because we enjoy it, because we want to connect with our friends. It's a part of business now. And I think of course. When, I was, when my boss told me to do something that I didn't want to do, which was to do some social stuff at Super Bowl in Phoenix, I realized that this was an opportunity to set myself apart. And I asked for a lesser producing role because I felt like last year, Fantasy Live could have taken this sore just could have gone above and beyond if we had the social backing because no other show was thinking like that. They weren't thinking, yeah, we're going to do a show, but we're going to do extra content to help move the viewers along on social, give them more, give them reason to come back. And we saw, I think we saw almost 150% increase with our followers, our engagement, and then this year with just the way that our media group has you know, reorganized, I found myself in a position where I felt like I could better the entire network as opposed to just one show.
0: Right, and it's just staggering to see how much this has become a part of, like you said, all business, not just sports. It is. You have athletes now that are actively engaging. I mean you think about like what I like to do is think about five, six years ago. You couldn't get access to athletes. Now it's it's a tool. Now there's some negative sides to it, but to get athletes to open up and be a part of this programming is mean, just a game changer and it is changing the T V experience.
1: Five, six years ago, <laughs> I remember sitting in the editing room and you'd have Facebook up and you'd be like, why do you have Facebook up? Why do you have Facebook up?
0: And now there's someone's the going to catch you. Someone's going to catch you. we like, I literally
1: it. sit on, I'm, I'm really on my phone. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook all day, every day where if someone's like, Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, they know what I'm doing. Right. There's well, no well, doubt think, about think it. Think now.
0: about if a tweet breaks in like a newsroom or in the edit base, it's relevant. Like breaking yeah. news or something an athlete says, a scandal or something. That's, As newsworthy as anything.
1: It's interesting, the evolution of Black Monday, which and most people know at the NFL is the day after the last day of the season when all the head coaches get fired.
0: Yeah, I feel bad about having a little standing bet with some people on that. Yeah. Because it is people's jobs, but it is a favorite of mine mine as well.
1: I I like it only because, like, that's a big day in the NFL. Not not many people realize that it is one of the most important days in the NFL calendar, and before, my first year, we would put up all the different TVs. we put up ESPN and Fox and, and MB- mm-hmm. like, every single sports channel you can think of. And then, as the years progressed, it was more like, all right, we're going to do ES- – look at ESPN and NFL Network and NBC and then Twitter. And we were just kind of going back and forth. And now it's, like, basically, it's all Twitter. It's all yeah. – they're, they're going to break it there first, and then they're going to be on TV. Like, you know these guys are sitting there, right, like, right with their phones on them. They're going to look up and spit out the analysis.
0: Right. And I've had this conversation with people before. I think Twitter is an unbelievable tool for getting information out to the masses. But there is that side of it where if a journalist isn't responsible, if a company is responsible, it could spread something that's not true that much faster. Oh, yeah. So you have to be careful in that regard, too. It's, it's yeah. a double-edged sword. It keeps you on your, on your toes both ways. The
1: NFL did get hatched this summer, and I was there for that. And yeah. that was one of the more interesting hours of working at the NFL. I mean... There's plenty of those hours when the news came out about Adrian Peterson when I think you were working there at that time. That was a Friday. And then stories like that, it just it definitely changes the way you see sports.
0: It does. And someone in social, you have to be double-checking as well the Mm -hmm. the validity of some of these tweets and and coming through. But it's great to see you guys succeeding. And going to the Super Bowl in Phoenix, that has to have been, I don't mean we're too young I think to have a bucket list, but... Did you ever see yourself as that little kid going to a Super Bowl in that way?
1: I that was that was like my dream, period, was going to a Super Bowl. And I have been lucky enough to take both my parents to a Super Bowl. Wow. I took my, my dad to Arizona and my mom to San Francisco. And I was in the one in New York, too. But I was there as a uh, freelance producer and didn't get the opportunity to sit in a seat. But, man, I was there. I was there. I got to see Bruno Mars. I got to see... Peyton Manning lose and the Seahawks win, but the forty Super Bowl forty nine was the most remarkable thing I think anyone could have ever seen yeah, firsthand. You I mean, also got and the I,
0: greatest Super Bowl ever, probably, and
1: one of the best Super Bowl halftimes. I'm just saying.
0: Beyonce. Yeah, say.
1: No, that was no, Katy Perry. Perry. Oh yeah, okay. Katy Perry was
0: awesome. Was it okay? Yeah. Okay, now I remember. She brought up Missy Elliott. It was awesome. Yeah. Okay. I was. But what's funny,
1: what's funny? is, is actually the left shark thing. Nobody knew what what that was.
0: That's social because I the but, first time you don't. Like, but think I didn't about it. Think well, it at the time. think about
1: it. You're in the stadium. You barely get service if anything. Like all you're doing is mm-hmm. you're putting your phone on airplane mode to, to just keep battery and just taking pictures and videos and things like that. And honestly, I didn't even see Missy Elliott because we were on the side of the field that we were just watching. We were actually watching Katy Perry get, like, plugged into her star. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't, like, we heard Missy because it's blaring through everything, but you're seeing her, like, get plugged in, get plugged in. And my dad caught it on video, and we, like, watched it back, (laughs) which was, it was actually, like, side note. It was so cool because the second that she left Missy Elliott, she was getting plugged into her star for the song Firework. From the time that the guys left her until Mm -hmm. she sang her first note was about three seconds. Wow. Which is unreal. Like they had practiced that. I I bet yeah. they practiced that fifty plus times.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's incredible. No, I was paying attention because I'm a Katy Perry closet fan. I guess I would say, and it's, I heard. In she's the, talented. The best talented. tease she had was there will be a legendary mystery singer with. Yeah. Me. So I was waiting to see that. Miss and that then there was, was Lenny
1: Kravitz, too. I mean, people. Are and then Yeah,
0: it was a, it was a good show. One of the best ever. I put I probably put it right behind Prince. I'm a Prince mm, fan. They Beyonce. Just, can't. That's true. I mean, that,
1: those was, are, that was not I mean she really she really did start the whole um digital show. Yeah. Where she sort of had that she that was that was her show. She had that owed to
0: Destiny's Child, and then it was like, All right, get out of the way, this is my <laughs> stage. <laughs> but <laughs> I do like seeing that when a group you'd see it with like InSync and Justin Timberlake where it's like, Okay, we're gonna do a couple songs, now just get off my stage. It's my time now. Yeah.
1: Well, I think People like Justin Timberlake and Beyonce deserve it. If there's anybody else, it's like, well,
0: maybe not. I couldn't let you go, Heather Pink. It's been a great interview, a lot of great stuff to cover about your your journey in sports. Without talking about the Blackhawks, it's got to be fair to say that you've been absolutely spoiled by a team that's given you three Stanley Cups in your 20s. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I, don't, I, would, I, don't,
0: I think that's a good run. You can take that for the rest of your life and yes. be okay. Yeah,
1: I, I would definitely agree. I've been, we've been blessed, but at the same time, it's like, I feel with the amount of sports team Chicago has and the amount of, to be honest, like, I feel like heartbreak outside of Michael Jordan,
0: mm-hmm. outside of
1: Michael Jordan, which I was also blessed with when I was younger. Yeah. Man, man, Chicago sports have kind of stunk. Holy. They have been bad. Like, I'm one of the few that's a White Sox fan, so yes. I get a World Series ring, but if you're a Cubs fan, you're a long-standing sufferer. I mean, to be honest, anyone that's a like millennial, they don't have a concept of the Bears being good. Yeah, we went to a Super Bowl, but that was a, that was a sham. That was like the best defense was was like scored more points than half of the league for the amount of sports team that we have. It kind of makes sense on some level, but they are some of the most remarkable hockey players, and they're just fun to watch.
0: That's the thing. That's the one constant theme. Like, obviously, you can't win every year you're gonna have setbacks with the salary cap structure in the NFL, in the NHL where you have to get rid of players. They have the two highest paid players in Kane and Taves, but they still find a way to make good decisions and put a product on the ice that's fun. Yep. And even if you're not a diehard, you can go to the game and say, you know what, that was cool.
1: I will say my mother Growing up, my mother was never a big sports fan. She mm. was always she never understood. Right. And then when I started working at Big Ten Network with with them, she really started to understand and getting into hockey more because hockey was the new fad in Chicago. And the best part was when I started at the NFL and my days are busier. I look less on my phone every day about personal stuff. It's always work stuff. And she texted me when Saad got traded, and I was like, Oh my god! And then when Shaw left, I mean.
0: Yeah, that one. She's hurt breaking too. the news to me, yeah.
1: and but I will say, you know, you have to make sacrifices in in Chicago yeah. with the Blackhawks. We say trust the system, and when when we Perfect. when we uh, when we saw Shaw walk away, <laughs> first of all, I wasn't sad about that. I was sad about Sad, but then now we have Panarin, who anybody
0: could have got, but the Blackhawks found a way to bring him, in. it's remarkable. And you and I've noticed too. You get you know you're protective over your devotion to tapes. Like that's your guy. That's like fine. That's been your guy for a while.
1: Always, but at the same time, listen. I know he doesn't score. He's one of those midfielders that you have in yeah. soccer, right? He's he's the midfielder that doesn't score. He's the middle guy that keeps everything in check. That if he needs to get up and needs to be the if he needs to be the Dustin Bufflin, he'll be the Dustin Bufflin. He will take. He will you know he'll fight
0: when he has to. He'll, he'll take he'll, charge. Like when when
1: they were in the Stanley Cup Finals and. He was the one having to switch off between Bickle. It was like between Bickle, Shaw, and then Tays would have to go in that rotation because Char was killing
0: everyone. You think about it, too, all the plays that he's been at the center of. He -hmm. just finds a way to make the plays. Boston, when they scored those two goals late, he's right there. 17 seconds. And I remember a goal in particular when you guys lost to Vancouver, almost came back from like 3-0 down, where he scored like a shorthanded goal late where it was... It yeah. was, they looked insurmountable. And the best way I can describe it is everybody knows within the league that this is a guy that's one of the best players. And yeah. it's not about numbers. It's not about scoring just with him. But he how many players
1: in all of sports can you honestly say that about? Because I think that is so unique to Taze. Not many.
0: No. Not many at that level. You say that where guys are better than what their numbers are across the board, but at the elite, at the top, I mean, I, I probably couldn't think of five or six guys. I'd want over him in the league, and I know there's much better goal scorers. But, but think
1: about it even on you an want overall... want
0: put him on your team, you're going to win.
1: On an overall standpoint, right? In football, you can say, okay, well, offensive linemen or maybe defensive linemen, don't get the credit or this or that. Like, you don't see their numbers, you know, on a stat sheet, which, yes, I get. But uh, that's a sport where every person counts. And you can't just sit there and be like, well... This guy on the Patriots, like, he's one of the talented players, but yet he doesn't put up a single stat. I think that's that's what makes Taze, mm-hmm. I think, so unique is that, and there was this one graph last year before the things happened in the news with Kane and Kane was on a sourpuss, like, little yeah. high horse, whatever. There was the, the, like, point differential between when, like, Taze and, and like, Hosa and Jalmerson, all those guys mm-hmm. were on, the like, like, the ice versus when Kane, and Kane's point differential before he went on that long run was, like... Negative three. Yeah. something that's like, like, why is this guy in the ice? And then he, <laughs> then he turned it on. And, and he's president the MVP. Yeah. I mean, but I will say this. If he hadn't done that, I think he would have been out in Chicago.
0: Wow. So you think the city would have turned on him?
1: Yes. Because. He had the worst. Well, I mean,
0: it wasn't. And I, I might agree with you. You would know better than I would. But it wasn't. I mean, this was obviously the worst circumstances. But he had a pretty shady-ish reputation. Way more yes. than meets the eye. Yes, but and I can't quote anyone directly on that, but...
1: I think the Blackhawks are one of these organizations that, like, they won't tolerate that. No. They want to tolerate the purity of their name, regardless of what... Like, they aren't the Seahawks. They, want, they aren't period, you know? They really uphold... And they're like the Bears. They're a long-standing organization that love the purity of their own name.
0: Right. They're fun to watch, and I do... I do owe Corey Crawford an apology because he's played well in big moments when they needed him. And Duncan Keith is a guy we didn't bring up.
1: No, we didn't. MVP. The real MVP right
0: there. The best postseason I've seen a defenseman play in a very long time when they won the Cup in 2015. And basically, they played one man down the entire
1: last season and a half. They were playing with only like three defenders for that entire series. And
0: I said, I don't know if he could keep this up. And he did. And (laughs) he did against Tampa Bay, who had one of the best young offenses, too. It was great. I, my favorite Keith memory, just the shortest side on that, is the conference championship of 2010 when he took a puck to the face, face. and lost his teeth. Yeah, like I knew 16. that was coming. Every and time. Stayed out there. Every time here, someone says. My favorite, be. my favorite
1: Duncan Keith memory, I know what it's going to end in. Puck in the face, lost his teeth. Every single time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got some great moments, but he's never a guy that's going to slash your tires or do things like. You know what I'm saying? You have those guys that are going to. Hook you, slash you. It's got
0: a mean edge, but it, it's not outrageous. Not like outrageous. that. Not yeah, like that. He's...
1: You're always like Duncan Keith. He can take a puck to the face <laughs> and he's a champion because he did this. Right. It's always about that. It's
0: so how are we feeling this year, though. This year's team, most points in the West. Is this another run at the Cup?
1: When they first started, I was watching, I, I watched a couple games and I went to my first Blackhawks game in LA last a couple yeah. weeks ago, which was awesome. I watched this team and I was like, oh, my, who are these people? They looked like high schoolers because they didn't know how to. Pass the puck to each other. They have so many young people. Which, to be honest, if we don't win this year, I'm not upset. This should scare everyone else because <laughs> this team is younger than they've ever been, and they have just as many solid weapons. And yet they still have the experience that most people, most teams, will never get. Like well, they and, have Hosa. Yeah. They have they have all these guys. They have a couple MPPs, and um, and they still have Crawford, and
0: Seabrook, and, and let's go on. But when you have Coach Q, who's like a Greg Popovich in a sense, where he'll take whatever players he has, build a system around them, and just produce. And they always peak at the right time. No one really we kind of gloss over that fact. Well, There's a lot to praise, but I mean, I don't know. I what don't actually, know, I, don't, I, I, I disagree with you
1: because I think that the Blackhawks peaked too early in that season. But Last sure? Yeah, totally. And one thing I'll
0: say is that the Blues team was good. That was a war. That was an absolute war. It was, and, and I the would best already, team.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I, I remember that over. It was. All in all, we were still in the playoffs long than the Kings were for another straight year. <laughs> yeah. I always, I always remind my Kings wow. friends that, I will say, there's nothing I hate more than a Packers fan and a Kings fan. Mostly Kings fans because they like to... Kings and Blackhawks, wow. we have a great rivalry, right?
0: It was one of the best playoff series I've ever seen in uh, 2014.
1: One of the best. And I will say, when we won the latest Stanley Cup, I was actually in Orlando... When we when we won, I was with my family, which was an hour away from Tampa, and mm-hmm. they were playing in Tampa by Lightning. And I came home and I literally looked at everyone that was a Kings fan. And to those people that texted me when we were in the conference <laughs> championships the year before and lost in overtime. I I remember those people. Like you you know those people that shit you. Exactly. Like, sorry, I mean, you yeah. know those yeah. people. And I went up to them and I was like, all right, middle fingers up. Because <laughs> I was so upset, like you remember those people that just yeah. Like that, they text you. Like they're waiting. Like all right, it's thirty seconds after the final. All right, I'm gonna text them right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Like, hey, nice game. No, <laughs> yeah, that's no. Sexual. Come on. Well, hey,
0: don't. I mean, the saying goes. Don't don't write checks. You can't cash them. Be some vulgarities in there. But no, I agree. And look, you said you've won three championships. It's almost spoiling you. But they could win again. They're always gonna be in the hunt, and that's the best thing for being a fan. Like you don't have the pressure on you, and you just know. We can make play. We've been here before, and oh, I'm I'm excited for you guys. I'm not even. Listen, my- as
1: long as both the stars and the kings, I would say either one of those teams don't make it because right now they're sitting on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. If one of those teams is still sitting on the outside, I think Chicago is looking pretty. because like, we we were sitting there being like, man, I don't want to play the stars. I don't want to play the Blues. Like, yeah. what are we gonna do? Get that you know, division,
0: and then yeah, I guess the stars
1: suit. owned us. Like before, when we had our long runs, it was. The Coyotes and the Avalanche. The Avalanche was the one that broke our like record streak. Then it was the Coyotes that, for some reason, always had Matt had us, Smith, yeah. you know. And, and then and now, um, last year was always the Stars, where it was like, oh we played these really awesome games, and we lose like 5-0. five zero. Like what? <laughs> what is that? Oh, it's the Patrick Sharp effect.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's one way to look at it. But now there's so many Blackhawks around the league, ex Blackhawks everywhere, yeah. that you're gonna run into that. But still, still going strong yeah. for sure.
1: I have to ask. I saw this in the news. Today, and I actually had a lengthy discussion with Brandon Marcus, an NFL co-worker, the other day. Four teams in the college playoffs right now. Yeah. Four teams. Four teams that I would have guessed from the, almost halfway almost. through the season. Three out of the four, yeah. I don't sure. think Washington should be there, but that's regardless okay. of the fact.
0: They're going to get killed. <laughs>
1: They're going to get killed. But hey, I think that they, they didn't want to see Alabama play Ohio State in the first round. No. Whatever. But there is potential talk of there, be, there being eight teams, an eight-team playoff.
0: I'm not a fan, but I'll just, I don't know what side of the fence you're on. No,
1: I mean, but I'm I, not
0: an 18 playoff proponent. And my biggest reason is I love the regular season and I love the drama.
1: I think this year was sort of this enlightened factor of everybody being like, well, now we need more. <laughs> now we need more games. And it's like, well, personally, I'm about you for six games because I think six is the perfect magic number. I think eight is too much. Yeah. Um. Because I think this year really spoke louder than words that Ohio State didn't win the Big Ten. No, yeah. And they are in the playoffs, and I think that speaks so much louder than what people actually think. Like, Penn State's not the best team in the Big Ten. They're the third best team in the Big Ten. I don't think they're the yeah. second.
0: They're, they're the third. They're the third. I think this wasn't unique here, and I've been on record as saying, when you when, when you have a head-to-head, that only goes so much as having the same number of losses. Penn State lost two games. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, they... They shouldn't have lost the pit. They left it up to chance and Ohio State got lucky. Last year, Ohio State had one loss to Michigan State, who won the Big Ten with one loss. It's luck. And,
1: and that was a terrible Big Ten game.
0: Awful. That was, was one terrible. of the worst ones, them against Iowa. I was like,
1: oh my God, please it's, make it stop. It's just, and you know, us of, as
0: Big Ten fans, you're just like, no, everyone's just gonna make fun of the Big Ten. Typical Big Ten. I know. I, I
1: really did think that too. I was like, man, we're gonna come back next year, and like, of course we're gonna have Ohio State. I'm like, oh my god, everyone's gonna think that the Big Ten doesn't have high-powered offenses, which maybe they don't. Still, regard, they have just well-rounded football. Of course. Yeah.
0: You know? so hey, best conference in college this year. Not on the. They SCCA. are not only I. SEC didn't have another team besides Bama with less than four it losses. It
1: hurts my heart to say this, partially, <laughs> but they have been way more exciting than the NFL this year. Yeah. It, it has been, and I'll say this, just from being around Sully. It man Tennessee was exciting this year, and then it turned into the drama between the, the Big Ten, like watching Penn State upset Ohio State and watching Iowa upset Michigan and these big games that some of them Michigan Iowa was low scoring yes yeah but Penn State Ohio State was not low scoring no and it came down to the end and some of those games were just like wow we've only had maybe <laughs> three NFL games like that we've already had tons of them already in college. right no I, I
0: agree and then you have out here in LA USC going from one and three to arguably the second hottest team in college football they're good and good. it
1: does hurt my heart a little <laughs> bit to say that, but I will say I think that maybe this is sort of my argument too that people that don't like Tom Brady, because I've always liked Michigan, right? Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: He he's a really good quarterback.
0: Oh <laughs> well, yeah. You like, think? No, like
1: no no no, <laughs> no no no. But like from where he's come from, like where he worked his butt off, oh. and he had to prove himself Only just to just, starter. just to be a Michigan starter, and he got drafted really late. And yet, people were like, I don't like him because he wins too much. Like, that is a crap excuse. (laughs) Like, you don't like him because he wins too much. But when you watch him, you just know how good he is. And I think you see a lot of those characteristics in the USC quarterback. Yeah,
0: he just taught well. It looks like Donald is too. And maybe with Rose at UCLA, we could be getting into the territory of Jared Goff being the third best quarterback in LA right now. (laughs) That is true. He's so bad. Right? He's been pretty bad. I don't. I I can't
1: even. When has it been a worst
0: debut? I mean, this is one of the biggest flops in the entertainment industry. What the Rams have done this year.
1: What the Rams (laughs) (laughs) coming to LA?
0: It's no. I'm not saying the product itself. You know, I don't think. Well, here's the
1: thing: is they're not even the worst team in football. They're not the second worst team in football.
0: But if if we're talking, they're
1: they're
0: they're the third maybe. Probably. Well, they've been three and one too. Just one more win since then. I just think watching their games is like pulling teeth Uh, offensively. I mean, who would you
1: rather watch? That or the 49ers? Yeah. I'd rather watch the Browns.
0: No, thank you for that. But I, yeah. I would, but I
1: would. I I think 12-prior is something that people can get excited for. Mm -hmm. I think I hate RG3, (laughs) but maybe some people find in their hearts they can get excited about that.
0: Yeah, there's no no fixing. He's set in his ways. He's going to play the game he wants to. He's not going
1: to. RG three. No, yeah. he's going to get his knee blown up again.
0: He's going to run at a defender instead of running on a bounce, and yeah, it's unfortunate because it looks like he's a passionate guy. But yeah, you know, I mean,
1: they back. wanted him out at the Redskins when
0: when he was taking ten step ten step dropbacks In his second year,
1: when he was taking it. ten step drops and he wasn't paying attention to the playbook, and he was getting sacked, holding on to the ball too long. I mean, all these things. You know, they went from winning winning the division and him being rookie of the year all this kind of great stuff, right, mm-hmm. to them being a bunch of, like, horse manure. It was bad.
0: It <laughs> was very bad.
1: And the offensive lineman, like, he lost the locker room. And and when he was hurt the last three games, like, he was benched. Easily, he was benched. And that's when they were like, he's, he's got to go.
0: Yeah, well, I can't blame the Redskins for making that decision. As well. and, and
1: I loved Kirk, Kirk Cousins at Michigan State. Because you don't need to be the best. Like, come no. on, Tom Brady doesn't throw the best deep balls or – tight spirals for, you know, like, he doesn't do all that, all those little things that maybe you think that are, like, the defining characters, like, he's a great leader, mm-hmm. and that's what, like, think about Kirk's team now, like, his wide receivers are Jamison Crowder, Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, and he has Fat Rob as his <laughs> running back, like, yeah. that's, that's a bunch of team that, like, misfits right there, and yet, they're hanging in there, they're gonna make to the playoffs if they keep doing their thing yeah, like that.
0: right there, well, Heather, it was great having you on the show. Yeah, no problem. Before I let you go, though, anything we should know about on the social end, the NFL Network? Anything in the wings, developing? In the works? Yeah. You
1: know, I think one thing to always keep in mind is you don't know what the future is going to be. And I think that in the next year or so, we'll figure out what social platforms are, what people are going to end up using to ride the future. Because I think that um, everyone's using something for something different, right? They're using Mm -hmm. Twitter and Instagram and we're going to end up figuring out what is really for what because we've sort of got this rapid evolution of apps and things and all these different cool stuff here and there, right? And you're like, what am I supposed to use all these things for? And I think people are now understanding how to communicate with their friends. And now I think they're going to start to realize how how do I need to consume football? I think that's okay. going to be something that we'll see in
0: the, in the next year. I'm looking forward to it. I know yeah. sports fans are looking for the most efficient way to do anything. So I think, you know, I think there's going to be big things coming yeah. out there. I really do. Thanks again, Heather. Thanks for joining the Money Mitch Beck We'll have to do this again tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun. Thanks again. <laughs> big thanks to Heather Pink for coming on the show and being so candid about sports and her personal journey in the sports world. And on the side, I just want to say I owe her a debt of gratitude for learning so much from her in the sports world working together on that one season of NFL Fantasy Live. So I'm a big fan of her work, and I can't wait to see what's next in store for Heather going forward. All right, now it's time to talk with Chris Miller on the Money Mitch Effect. Week 14 of the NFL is up next. We're going to talk Raiders Chiefs Thursday night football preview. That game's tonight. Chris is open Raiders trying to avenge one of their two losses this season against the Very Hungry Chiefs team. We'll talk about other Sunday picks, go through the gauntlet there. And we'll touch on Clay Thompson, too. He's a Bay Area guy, so I know Chris has some thoughts on that as well. It's Chris Miller on the Money Mission Park. All right, back again. Time to talk Bay Area sports and NFL. Chris Miller in the house. Welcome yes, back sir. to the show.
2: Hey,
0: thanks for having me yet again. Love it. We got a lot to talk about on this jam packed edition of the Money Mitch Effect. First off, though, I don't know if you noticed this. We're doing this show on a Wednesday night. I saw they're filming a uh, a movie down the street from me. So I was thinking after this, maybe we go in and get cameos, you know, uncredited, of course.
2: I'm always down for walking through a movie set just to get a little extra credit on there. Yeah.
0: It's a little, it's a little, uh, hard to deal with at times because it's five o'clock on a weeknight, a lot of traffic and the roads by where I live, and to see all the trucks, the production trucks, the lighting and stuff out.
2: That's right. It makes
0: it a little little hectic. I think the least they can do is let us star in their movie a little bit.
2: That's right, yeah. Hashtag Los Angeles problems, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm not asking for like, you know, a star
0: or an Academy Award winning performance, but you know, a little something. First thing I want to talk to you about, though, Chris, before we get to football, Sure. You're a you're a Bay Area guy. Yep. You're a Warriors fan. Yep. Monday night was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I don't care if you're not a Warriors fan, if you're just a casual basketball fan, what Clay Thompson did for the Warriors last Monday was unbelievable. And for those that were Unreal. hiding Unreal. under a rock, the Warriors <laughs> scored 142 points, blew the t- boo the Pacers out of the water.
2: Yeah, as they should. <laughs> but as they should.
0: Klay Thompson goes for 60. He goes for 60 in 29 minutes. 29 minutes. Didn't play the fourth. (laughs) I think, and there's an argument to be made, Chris, that while Steph and Durant are great, greater players than Klay Thompson, they don't have the ceiling that Klay has when he gets going.
2: I mean, I, I would definitely say they have that ceiling, but, and I've said this before when I've talked about the Warriors I think Steph and now with this season, Durant, definitely they're the name guys. They're the ones that definitely get the credit. They're sort of like, you know, put it in football terms, the quarterbacks. You know, if they win, it's on them. If they lose, it's on them. But for me, I think their offense really rolls and is much more predicated on whether or not Clay Thompson gets rolling.
0: He dribbled the ball (laughs) 11 times. 11 times in this (laughs) game. That might be the most ridiculous stat of all. 60 points. Dribbling the ball 11 times. The efficiency was second only to the Wilt Chamberlain 100-point game. yeah. And it was one hundredth of a point off. Two point, I think, oh seven to 2.08. So just staggering numbers. I think this is a great sign that he's adjusting to that third wheel cliché role. Because he's still going to get his shots. I credit Kerr for that. He still finds a way to keep him involved. And this team is playing selfless, which is scary for the rest of the league because... They're not moaning. They're not you know playing hero ball. They're letting everybody get involved. And when Clay's the hot hand, they're riding the hot hand.
2: Yeah, and I I think it's funny because you remember their their first game this season, they got shellacked by the Spurs. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They got their butts handed to them, and everyone was saying, "Oh, the Warriors! They they got Durant." They're overhyped, they're not good, and now what, they're 18 and (laughs) 3? Yeah, well, you know, too, the Miami
0: Heat, they were the prime example. They were 9 and 8 in their first 17. And, you know, it just takes an adjustment period when you have stars on any team in any sport playing together. That's also the Spurs versus the Pacers. I think there's a little difference for a Popovich-led San Antonio team than an Indiana team. I think part of it is it was a tough game. It would have been tough for anybody to beat San Antonio, who's still undefeated on the road. I mean, that wasn't a bad loss by any stretch.
2: No, and uh, I think, again, this is going to be one of those seasons that comes down to probably the Spurs and or the Warriors coming out of the West. Um, although you have to like uh, what Westbrook is doing in Oklahoma City. That's what I'm saying.
0: (laughs) This year, while the NBA will always be a distant fourth in the main sports in terms of parity, that's the most frustrating thing about it is you pretty much know who's going to be there at the end. The regular season's fun for things like that, for what Westbrook's doing, for some of the numbers that players are putting up. I Also, I would have liked to see. I I know Iker did it, and I respect his decision. It would have been cool to see... Play, play the fourth and see if he can get 75, 80 points. Yeah, of
2: course. I mean, who doesn't want to see him drop 80? You know, that would have been fantastic. But hey, you know what? When you're blowing out a team, there's no point in, you know, putting know. your big stars out there. I think history
0: through. might look better on Clay, if that makes sense, for going 60 and 29 minutes and for, say, 80 in a blowout win. It's, it's yeah. tough to say. Clay Thompson, though, unbelievable. And it yeah. was fun to watch. Certainly was. We're going to switch now to the NFL. We got a big preview edition of the TNF game, which I know you can't wait to get into, but before (laughs) before we do that, we're going to look at Sunday's games. This is going to be the last time we, we have this podcast on before Sunday, so we want to get our official preview in for week 14 in the NFL, Wow, only four more weeks to go. All the bye weeks are mercifully over, and we were looking at the slate of games, Chris, before. It's pretty exciting. There's been some questionable weeks of scheduling, this is pretty good. I don't even think the LA Rams can ruin this week. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They'll find a way. They're playing Atlanta, so. <laughs> All
0: right. So I'll get the ball rolling on our weekly competition, and I've been off on the last couple ones. I've whiffed pretty hard. You know, I I want to sure. blame. There's a lot of people I could blame. Uh, Cam Newton stylist for one, but uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot of different things that I could look at. But we're gonna start. It's a new week, clean slate. We're, we're 0-0, as uh, the cliche goes. So
2: Speaking of fashion, I just have to point out that I did come dress ready for today's discussion. I know, oh, the Raider, I know your audience the can The reader reveal.
0: Yes. I could have lied. I could have said something terrible. But, <laughs> it's know, not a dress. <laughs> it's not a dress. That's another topic to get to. But the first game, the first, I guess, pick that we have is the lock of the week. And you know what, Chris, I've thought about this. And the way it goes, I mean, this is a fun competition. It's not really for anything. Mm-hmm. Here's my lock of the week in the spirit of this podcast and my guest. I'm taking dress watch. I'm taking the Colts over the Texans as a lock. And you know what? Even even <laughs> jokes aside, this is more of a reflection of that atrocity that's developing in Houston. How just criminally bad they've looked the last couple weeks on offense. Yeah, well, they've lost three straight, right? They've lost three straight. A lot of them haven't been good, and I like the Colts here. I'm going to go Colts lock at home, finding their rhythm. I know they're not a great team, but they're good enough. They, they've been keeping it simple, and I think luck, we finally saw him get back to healthy. I know the Jets are awful, and I know, <laughs> I know a lot of people could have tore up that defense, but he played a clean, efficient game without the questionable hits that make you think, oh, he's not right.
2: I think you're putting way... <laughs> Too much emphasis on that game against the Jets. The Jets are a bad team. I mean, the Colts are a good pick in this game, and you know, I guess
0: secretly I'm hoping
2: <laughs> the Texans win. So we got to so want to keep,
0: up. keep you know, yeah. the Colts out of the playoffs. We got to keep everybody up to speed on that. You've agreed if they win the Super Bowl, you're going to wear your wife's dress to work, and that's right. And I've spread the word. You know, the word's getting out, and, and there's been different reactions. Guests on the show <laughs> now. There've been you know from the. Uh, Oddly curious to the utterly petrified. A lot of different reactions on what happens. I just think if they get to like the final eight, final four, we could have a full on crisis on our hands. But they've looked, they looked better. The defense isn't a train wreck anymore, and it, they're in a terrible. Yeah, division. but they just
2: lost to Cole Jackson. They did for That's four games. Terrible,
0: but again, they're in a terrible division. A three-way tie at first with yep. the Titans and Texans. They're at home here. I just I have too many questions about Houston. The defense, it's finally it's like they're finally reaching their breaking point. Like they know that their offense is so bad that it's finally getting through to the defense.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hoping they can just ride the Lamar Miller train through Indianapolis and pull off that W.
0: Sorry, Chris. What's your lock of the week?
2: I gotta say my lock of the week, you know, I'm I'm not gonna be as adventurous as you are. Uh, (laughs) I gotta say Detroit playing Chicago at home is my lock of the week. It's a good one. Yeah. Detroit's rolling uh, Matthew Stafford is unfortunately not being mentioned as much in the MVP talk as he should be. Um, he's having an incredible year. And also flying under the radar, that, that Detroit defense. I mean, they're going be the
0: most underrated defensive player in the league. He's yeah. finally getting recognized this year. And, and, and look what they did against uh, Drew Brees. I mean, they made him look
2: pedestrian. I mean, he had a fair amount of yards, but three picks.
0: Yeah, they, it was the first game, I believe, all year they won where they didn't have to come back or, or play from time. It's definitely of one of them, yeah, for sure. You know, the only thing with the Lions are they are the Lions, and you still have it in the back of your mind that maybe they could lose <laughs> yeah. a game they're supposed to win. And knowing, too, that all it takes is one loss, and Green Bay keeps winning, and that game's going to be for all the marbles. So every game is important for the Lions. The Bears... Like the Bears are not good. They have a lot of injuries, but they played good defense last week. They, they did played just good enough. defense against <laughs> no. against
2: the 49ers in a, in a blizzard. So
0: <laughs> before, we, before we move on to our other picks, I want to I think this is a good time to interject with Chris Miller on the Money Mitch Effect. You, you brought up a good point about Matt Stafford and the MVP. Today, Odd Shark released the latest MVP odds. Okay. And the order and the odds might Might be a little surprising. I think we can agree that it's hard it's a harder year. There's not that consensus front runner. Yeah. So the Well,
2: I have my consensus front runner, but I'm biased. Right now,
0: the best odds, or I should say, worst odds, if you're talking about what your payout would be, Mm -hmm. right now, the worst odds at plus two (laughs) fifty, plus two forty, I should say. Ezekiel Elliott. He is the odd shark favorite for MVP. And I'll just read you the top, you know, ten or so and then we'll go from there. Could you imagine that? Yeah, no. Second. Is your boy Derek Carr plus three hundred and fifty, tied for third. A little bit of a drop off. We have Tom Brady and Matt Stafford plus seven hundred and fifty.
2: Okay, nice.
0: Fifth is another two weight tie. It is Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson plus one thousand. Seventh, we have Dak Prescott at plus twelve hundred, and then a three way tie at eight: Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Kirk Cousins. And that's plus three thousand three hundred. We're getting off, sure. well, well off the mark there, but the point is. Stafford's still a top-five MVP candidate, and it is a year that is opening up for him. I think if they went out top two, he could win the award easily.
2: <laughs> Definitely. Well, and at the beginning of this year, did you think, oh, hey, no Megatron, who's been his security blanket and the most beast-wide receiver to play <laughs> in the last nine years, that he was going to have one of his best seasons
0: He's he's incredible. He doesn't at the moment phase him. We keep forgetting to mention Matt Prater is probably the most clutch kicker ever, <laughs> statistically. Oh God, yeah. You yep. look at his he hasn't missed at the end yep. of games are in overtime. Yep. It's just staggering. But I will say too that I didn't factor in when when the Bears kind of just fell apart the last couple of years. The Vikings were without Bridgewater. Yeah. They injured AP early. There was an opening. We were just too dumb or too naive to look at Detroit as a team that could fill that void.
2: Well, right, and everyone was like, oh, well, now it's definitely the Packers. Right, and we just assumed Green
0: Bay was just always going to be good, and they're having their troubles, and now Detroit, they're opportunistic, but hey, you got to be in this league. All right, now I'm going to go with my game closer than the experts think, and I had some time to think about this one. It's an interesting game. I'm saying browns Bengals, but I can't will myself to say they're going to win this game. They're six-point underdogs at home, started out four, it's bumped to six. But hey, RG3 coming back, and a Bengals team that... Yeah. Yeah, you're laughing at that. But look, it's a Bengals team that's the most undisciplined team in football. And there's always yep. a chance that Vontez Burfecht and Pac-Man Jones could do something to get kicked out of the NFL for multiple years. <laughs> I think the Browns could keep this close. I'm not going to say they're going to win, though.
2: Hey, you know, and the first time I was on your show, I think it was the first time. It might have been yeah. the last time I was on here. We were talking about the Browns being winless, and I tell, to- and I told you then that I thought that this was a game to circle that they could possibly win. I think it had to be the last conversation we had because this was a- it was after the AJ Green yeah. injury. Yeah, and I still think that this is one of those ones. It's it's at home. It's a division game, so it's one of those you never know. And uh, I think that if the Browns are going to go 1-15 this year, this is, this is their one chance. I still
0: think the Chargers game might be one by then. Rivers and then company. It's week 16 at home. We'll see what San Diego is like then, coming to the cold. I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic that they're going to put on a show and that they're going to be in the game. Now, the last time they played the Bengals, Jeremy Hill ran all over their throats. It was <laughs> over by halftime. Yeah. We'll see what happens. All right, Chris, your game. That's going to be close.
2: The game that I think that's going to be closer than you would expect. You know what? Let's go bold. Let's say Baltimore, New England. Why okay. not? Baltimore on the road. I know it's tough, but their defense is playing well. Yeah. And uh, let's let's say that Joe Flacco had a really good game against a pretty decent Miami mm-hmm. Dolphins defense. I think he definitely has a chance to uh, keep them in this game. You know, I like
0: that, and I like that so much that you stole my upset pick. Oh, Baltimore no. winning Sorry. this game. No, I, I yeah. I'm glad I'm, I'm happy when that happens. I think Baltimore <laughs> wins this game. New England. We don't know what they look like without Gronk with Brady Ohop because they played a Rams team that's at the junior varsity level. What did we really <laughs> yeah. learn from that game? Yeah. Baltimore's peaking. They're getting yeah. better. Defensively they were dominant. Flacco is quietly putting up the best mini stretch of his regular season career, not counting the postseason run. Yep. This is a dangerous team, and this is a team that is. I don't think it can be understated enough. They're not afraid of New England. Yeah. You say that with a lot of teams, but but you can see with Baltimore that they are not afraid. That they are led by guys, coaches, players, Suggs, Harbaugh, et cetera, mm-hmm. that can win big games, have done it before, and always seem to play New England tough, home or away.
2: They got a lot of good veterans, and this this Baltimore team. Is starting to look a little reminiscent of the Baltimore team that just won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago.
0: It is. I don't know that I can go that far, but a one underrated fact in this game is that Dixon is a heck of a running back that's slowly getting healthier. Yeah. I don't know that he's great. Wes has been, he's been worthy enough of the job, but yeah. having the two of them together could increase both their effectiveness. And I would say to you, Chris, the biggest thing in this game is who does Brady go to now in the big plays when it's third and long? When it's when you need that pass play, go on situations. That's the question: Is Bennett ready? Is uh, Mitchell the receiver that's coming up ready to go?
2: Bennett's I don't banged know. up, so Chris Hogan. Also, not, maybe he's the <laughs> Chris guy. Hogan. Yeah. Well, and but that's the thing. That's what the Patriots always do. You know, yeah. they always have that next man up mentality. And I was actually just thinking about this the other day. I honestly think that Belichick must make everyone on that team practice every position on that field. Just in case, you know, because they have uh, safeties playing linebackers, linebackers playing safeties, and they always seem like they're ready no matter what situation. Yeah, I think
0: it's going to be great. Uh, I do question the New England uh, interior defense. They need to get more pressure. They've been getting pushed around, underratedly so. Russell Wilson, the Seahawks kind of opened everybody's eyes because while they're a good team, they had blocking issues all season, except that Sunday night game against New England when he had all day to throw and just picked them apart. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm excited here. This is this is going to be a great game. This might be our best Monday night game of the season so far, and this is damn good.
2: It's going to be a good game for sure. I mean, you're kind of counting on the Texans Raiders game, but whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I forgot the wings reporters. Uh yeah, totally forgot about that. Shout out to all the Mexican fans of the show. All right, Chris, do you have an upset pick of this week you want to debut on us to wrap up the pick section?
2: Ooh boy, uh, feel froggy. I mean, there's there's. Uh,
0: there's I mean, we're going to talk there.
2: about we're going to talk about tomorrow night's game. I think it, it's hard to say Oakland winning yeah, is an can, upset.
0: I would I would pass on that because those are two good teams. I don't, yeah, I don't know about that.
2: You that's know where I, That's
0: where I draw the line. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's where you draw
0: the line. Okay.
2: So let's just go out on a limb here. Why not? Let's say I'm going to go with uh, Cleveland beating Cincinnati. Oh wow! I think that's it. I think it's wow. it doesn't sound like it should be an upset. No, But Cincinnati played really well this last week, and uh, you know Cleveland is Cleveland. And <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pat. <laughs> and I just want to sound like I'm smart. I want to sound like I I called this weeks ago. <laughs> so let's go with Cleveland as my upset. Yeah,
0: pack. I hope you're right. 0-16 is just a, a month away. God help <laughs> us. Still talking with Chris Miller on the Money Mitch Effect. A couple more games I want to talk about Sunday before we get into the TNF preview. Yeah. I like Green Bay over Seattle this week. I really do. And I think and it's a combination of... The last time we talked the Packers, it beginning been getting lit up by Washington. They've since corrected some of those issues. The defense is yeah. stellar, not superb. The running game with James Stark again, stellar. They were getting nothing. Now they have something. Seattle, uh, Errol Thomas' injury, man. I just don't know. That, that's a killer for them against anyone, especially one of the, if not the, best quarterbacks in the league.
2: Yeah, Well, and they put up an interesting stat... During the uh, Seattle Carolina game about the Legion of Boom and how well this team plays with or without a full complement of the Legion of Boom, you know Richard Sherman, Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and without one of them, any of those three, they're a 500 team. They like literally the record was two two and one this year with when they were missing one of those guys. So. It's tough. I mean, he is, him and Chancellor, I know Richard Sherman gets a lot of the hype, but I really feel like him and Chancellor are more of the heart and soul at secondary. I would,
0: Yeah, I'd say they're the heart and soul, and if we power rank those three importants, Sherman's second, Chancellor's third, Thomas's first. He just completes the scheme so well. They're not able to do what they want to do without him. Even with another great safety, he's just so fast, and that's the thing people don't realize. A 4-4-3 four, four, yeah. speed to cover the ground that he does... We'll see. Green Bay, look, I told you, if they keep winning, they could get to 9-6, and six. Detroit Week 17, because I don't think Detroit... I think they do lose one more game. Now, the question is whether it's this Packers team is going to win out until that point. But I don't I don't think, and that's not That's not me slamming yeah. Detroit. It's just hard to continually win every week. They've been doing it for a while. Yeah, I just we'll see.
2: I have a hard time believing the Packers are going to win out um, just because they've really been up and down, yep. up and down. The fan of me wants to see that Week 17 game be that important, of course.
0: And Chris, how shocked are you that we're in early December and here the Cowboys can clinch the NFC East on Sunday night with a win over the Giants, and with some help with a loss by the Seahawks and Lions, they can even clinch a bye. (laughs) It's, It's insane. And they just keep
2: rolling. They keep rolling. They find the way to win, although you know, last time we were talking about it, I told you I wanted to see what this team could do against a defense like Minnesota, and they struggled. They definitely struggled, and if it wasn't for a
0: muffed punt by Thielen, that's a different game. So they've that was the game, game that I thought they lose, but they still found a way to win. If this continues. Yeah. Okay, it's a trend, and and there's something to be worried about. But every team plays. But you can't win them all. Like we'll get to with your Raiders, the losses (laughs) that they've had. The two, I mean, you just can't win every game. It's only happened once in the history of the NFL that you've done it. So uh, I think the Giants, people doubted them. People doubted them before they lost to Pittsburgh because of the schedule, because of how they've looked. And they have beaten Dallas, but even that win is, I don't want to say in question, but it was week one. It was 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 Dak's first start, and it was another game that, could have gone either way if Terrence Williams figures out what a bounds marker <laughs> yep. looks like. Exactly. Honestly, I'm excited about this game and I'm excited to see if that revamped Giants defense can live up to their money because they got a tough test coming with Ezekiel Elliott and company.
2: Yeah, and then they've like I said, Jason Pierre Paul out with the uh, the hernia surgery. Um, he may be back for the postseason. Maybe. I think they said it's like six-week process. So losing him on the pass rush is definitely gonna hurt them.
0: Yeah, certainly um, is.
2: the good news for them is Dallas is predominantly a running team. So yeah, we'll see. But I think it's gonna be a great game. It's fun to see these traditional rivalries becoming so important. Seeing the Dallas, you know, new, uh, Giants, even Philly, Washington has you know some implications too. So yeah, it's fun. I, it's I a fun would, time of the year.
0: Uh, and you always get the question of. If Eli Manning is going to throw the Giants out of this game, he could just have his bad game, and Dallas could win. There's a lot of variables in this one, and then of course, you know, I wish we had. Uh, if I had sound effects, I'd be like, "All right, it's time for Niners Jets." It's just a toilet question. <laughs> 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 oh. Then we're back. Yeah. You know, so that game, please don't watch that. We're football fans. Do not watch <laughs> Niners Jets. Oh. Watching the Colts
2: Jets was hard enough to watch. I couldn't imagine what Oh well, and Tigers you got jets
0: the take like. factor too. You got teams competing directly for draft picks. That's true. <laughs> so that's true. And
2: I've said this before, I've probably said it to you. I honestly, and this is not just a Raiders fan bias. I think this is legit analysis. I think the Niners are legitimately the worst team in the league. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, record-wise,
0: I, I, they're slightly better than Cleveland with the one win. I but. agree that that's the only team I think I would like the Browns over in a, in a matchup, if, if that validates your point in any way. If I look at it on a football field, I would probably agree with you now.
2: I think the Browns could take the Bears, too. Uh, and no. maybe the Jets. Yeah, no. I mean, and with injury Jets.
0: ravages, I, I think that's fair. All right. Chris Miller, Money Mitch Effect. It's time to preview the TNF game.
2: Yes. Thursday
0: night football.
2: The only game that matters this week.
0: <laughs> Chiefs and Raiders. Here's something I'll say to make you uh, to, to make you blush a little bit before we go. My bold prediction this past, earlier this week on the show, was that this would be the division with three playoff teams. I still like Denver to get that second wild card. Not trusting the Dolphins. Think it's going to be a bloodbath in the north for one spot. Yep. The, the south is the south. but I, I took it a step further. I think three teams from the west could be playing in, in round two of the playoffs.
2: Wow, that that it's very possible. We're counting in
0: the South to lose, right? I mean, we're, yeah. we're saying that's a, that's a given. Yeah, the and South then, is it's, then it's what Broncos versus Steelers, which they want. I mean, Broncos Ravens, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Right, right. So um, or or you know Raiders, should they slip? I mean, it's still, I think there's there's a possibility, a very good possibility. And
2: I mean, how amazing would that be? So, yeah, right now the Broncos, I believe, this hit the sixth spot. The Chiefs are at the fifth spot. So, yeah, those teams could easily beat, you know, potentially the Colts and or Texans and possibly the Steelers-Ravens.
0: So, so here we go this week. Chiefs-Raiders. The Raiders are up two in the loss column on the Chiefs. They have a chance to really extend that division. They'd almost wrap it up in a way, which is remarkable. But... On the other side, a Chiefs win, and suddenly they beat them twice. They swept the season series, and (laughs) now the tide turns yet again, and the tide would turn. So this game, the ramifications are enormous, and as a Raiders fan and as a player on the team, I'm sure they're thinking the same way, Chris. You've got to know what's at stake in this game.
2: Oh, definitely, and if this is one of those games where you as a fan... Or you as a player aren't pumped up, and you're not ready to come, you know, full force, 100%, either in your fandom <laughs> or you're playing. Then why are you even rooting for football or, or a fan? I mean, this is this is what you want as a Raiders fan and as a Chiefs fan. You want to see these two. These are their their oldest rivalries of these two teams. And it's great, and I
0: love that. It's a rivalry that's. A lot of people in the millennial generation don't realize how big this rivalry was.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, if you go back to old interviews with Al Davis and you talk to him about rivalries, number one, hands down, was the Chiefs. You know, and that's part because the Broncos and the Chargers really weren't much teams for a long time. I mean, the, the Chargers got a lot better when they had Dan Fouts and Kellen Winslow, but the Broncos really weren't much until you know, you know, eighties
0: yeah, well, yeah. and nineties. Exactly. So looking at this game on the field, I think the Chiefs are very dangerous, and I think they're as good, they can play at a peak game as good as anyone in the AFC. I think that's fair to say, given how they've looked at times. The stat that jumps out to me, and I'm sure the Raiders are wary of, 49%, nearly 50% of the team's points have come by the defense and special teams. That's insane. (laughs) I can't understate this enough. That's more than the Ravens' defense, than the Legion of Boom and these great defensive efforts. Knowing that, what can the Raiders do to avoid giving away points to the other team's defense and special teams?
2: (laughs) Eric (laughs) Berry, eight
0: points last week. (laughs) Eric Berry, eight points. You know, and I think that's
2: the million-dollar question. Again, and I said this before the Texans game, too, I think what you're going to see, and it all depends on what the weather ends up being like tomorrow, too, I'd love to see the Raiders do a lot more of that six-man set a lot more of the smash mouth Give the ball to Latavius Murray, who wasn't playing in their week six matchup. Um, so that's definitely a big factor to have him back. And I think you're gonna see a lot of uh quick snap, you know, throws from Carr. I'm curious to see whether or not he's under center this week. Um I have a feeling he's gonna be hundred percent out of the shotgun yet again because worried of the, finger.
0: About the pinky Yeah, you worried about that at all? Of course, I'm worried about the
2: (laughs) painting. When your season's like, you know, hinges on like the smallest finger, you know, in your in your hand, yeah, definitely something to worry about.
0: I think too, to go off your point about Carr, he's got that gunslinger mentality. He's made great throws under pressure. He's fearless. That could sometimes play into the hands of an aggressive defense. You could see a boomer bust. You could see a 70-yard touchdown and a big pick going the other way. That's what makes this game, to me as an outsider, so intriguing. You know who else wasn't playing in that game? Justin Houston. Justin Houston, yep, yep. (laughs) And he has looked
2: pretty, pretty, pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) He has looked like classic Justin Houston. He is just a force to be reckoned with. And D Ford just
0: was given the Raiders fits last time. Two sacks. uh, Strength versus strength. We got a great Raiders offensive line, a revamped, well-improved line, and we got one of the best pass rushers in the game. Love to see it. Love to see two strikes going up each other. Best, best. Let's see who wins.
2: Yeah, you know, I'd love to think that offensive line wins that battle, but, I mean, we've seen time and time again when you have a, a high-ranked offense going against a high-ranked defense, defense wins that battle.
0: Do you think Carr tries to avoid Marcus Peters? Do you think he looks the other way? And a lot of times we've seen it, we've seen it going both ways. Where Rodgers at times where Stafford have kind of looked the other way, other times it's just... We try to hide the receiver, or we just say we're going to go at you regardless. Do you think Peters will factor into the game plan at all?
2: Of course. I mean, Marcus Peters, Eric Berry, all these guys are you know factors when you're coming up with a game plan. I'm going to quote Derek Carr on this one, though, if I may. We respect everyone, but we fear no one. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> so, hey, and out. I think that's been their mantra this season, and yeah. it's, it's working out for them. I think that the, what's going to really hurt the Raiders is – As we've seen the last couple of weeks, they've had to play from behind, Mm -hmm. either because they had a slow start offensively or their defense just wasn't getting stops, and they've been able to uh, bridge that gap with really good offense. I don't think you can do that against a team like the Chiefs with that defense. So the Raiders need to come out hot, and they need to keep their foot on the throttle and not stop.
0: Yeah, I'm intrigued to see, we mentioned Murray not playing, He's been a dynamic factor. That went over the Broncos, that season-changing, maybe season-defining went over the Broncos, it was the yeah. run game. It was a, two, a two-fold attack that we hadn't seen this Raiders team play with. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And I will say this, too. On the other side of the ball, you have a Chiefs offense that's peaking. You have Tyree Kill. I mean, think about how many players are going to be factors in this game that didn't even play the last time. I'm, I'm, I'd be a little worried of this, of this as a Raiders fan. <laughs> Reed's been coaching pretty well. Smith has been getting a handle of the offense, maybe his best handle since coming to Kansas City. Yep. And they're not dependent on any one running back in that Chiefs backfield.
2: I know. And uh, I uh, I don't remember all the quarterbacks you were talking about in that MVP talk, but no one's talking about Alex Smith, who's also statistically having one of his best seasons. Oh, there
0: wasn't a better drive, I would argue, all season than that drive against the Broncos to tie the game and force overtime down eighth. Yeah, and that was, that was <laughs> the game manager, this. That's pretty much, that was basically what Alex Smith was saying when he just led his team against one of the best defenses in football on the road and got the two-point conversion play. The Chiefs offense is balanced. The receivers are getting involved. They're going to get Macklin back healthy tomorrow. Yep. But the Raiders still have Khalil Mack, and he is unbelievable. Uh, breathtaking to watch. With Houston <laughs> and Mack in this game, it's going to be a pass rusher's dream. He's unbelievable, and the best thing about Mac, I think, is he's hiding weaknesses in that secondary. These quarterbacks don't have time to pick on anybody when Mac gets to them.
2: Yeah, definitely, and they've needed it. I mean, Sean Smith finally came back this last week against Buffalo. They're without—it's weird to say this—they're without DJ Hayden, oh, man. which <laughs> is bad. Yeah, maybe uh, TJ Carey, who's predominantly a safety, has been playing a lot more of that nickel, that nickel back no, no bad bands. <laughs> <That nickel thing. laughs> He's hey, better hey, than the band. He's been playing that nickel. Uh, that <laughs> got to keep having to say nickel back. Dang it. Yeah, uh, twice. <laughs> position in place of Hayden. But yeah, I mean, when you have Cleo Mack and you have Bruce Irvin off the other side coming at you, you got to get that ball out quick. There you and, do. uh, which is great, because that secondary is not covering anybody very well. No,
0: and I think that's the other part of this equation. If the Raiders can can get pressure, because Kansas City's run game is good, but the Raiders can stop the run. So then it becomes a game of, can Alex Smith have time to let Tyreek Hill get into space, to let Macklin go deep, to let Travis Kelsey find ways? That's the chess match I'm looking forward to, because if he has time, I like the Chiefs handling in this game. But there's no guarantee of that. Mac has had games where he just says, you know what, I'm going to get six sacks today. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna be yeah. the best player on the field. And yeah. I'll pose it with this before we make our official picks. Who do you think is going to be the best player on the field? And for the Raiders' standpoint, what would be the best case scenario of who the best player in the game is? Because I mean, I'd say if Khalil Mack's the best player in the game, that's the best case scenario.
2: That is definitely a best case scenario. Uh, if, If Derek Carr is the best player out there, that's definitely a best-case scenario because that means that offensive line is doing their job and they're keeping him upright. Who do I think is going to be the best player on the field? It's hard for me to pick against D Ford, who just had his way with the Raiders. Eric Berry is just, you know, red What what a great
0: story, too. I mean, that's... It's hard oh, to hate yeah. on Eric Berry. The guy is just the stand-up guy who's dealt with so much.
2: Yeah, but the guy I think that the Raiders really need to look out for is Spencer Ware because he's the one that really torched them last game. wasn't so much Alex Smith. Alex Smith had 224 yards passing. Spencer Ware had 131 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And I'd like to say the Raiders' rushing defense is better, but... Up until a point, I mean, Shady McCoy was burning
0: them mm-hmm. last week, so... And they've been we'll but the don't break, though. They've, they've gotten better as games game's gone on, and all these comebacks, we take for granted the fact, we overlook the fact that the Raiders have gotten stops to give their offenses chances. Yeah. Uh, I would say if Murray's the best player on the field, the running game going, the offensive line, maybe that's a good sign of also time of possession.
2: Definitely. And, and
0: Crabtree's another one. We didn't talk about the Raiders' weapons because... <laughs> if Peters is locking down, say, Cooper, the Raiders are deep enough at receiver to where they can say, okay, you know, you're, you're getting the best of him on his routes, but we're just going to look elsewhere. And it's not so much avoiding him, it's just what Carr says, taking the best option there, not fearing other one. That's right. You never go broke, that's the phrase, you never go broke taking a profit. That's right. So they can just keep it going there. Well, I, I'm excited. The Chiefs are good, the Raiders are good.
2: No, this is... I'm going to
0: make my pick first, and then you can go after that. I like Kansas City in this game. I'm sorry to break it to you. I do think the Chiefs win this one. They're peaking. They're, they're looking good. And I think they're one team I would not want to play in the playoffs right now. I just like Kansas City getting Houston back, Smith finding his groove. And Andy Reid is actually coaching like a human being with a pulse. <laughs> Great combination. I like Kansas City here in a hard-fought game. I'd say about 26-24.
2: Oh, wow. So a really close game. Yeah. AC put up 26 on them last time, so fortunately for the Raiders, you're expecting them to at least get two more touchdowns. I this do. I, I, this is going to be a great game. This is a tough game for me. Like The fan of me, obviously, is picking the Raiders, but it depends. I mean, I was reading a, an interesting uh, article by Michael Fabiano, the uh, fantasy expert on yeah, NFL. yeah, and he was talking about how Crabtree is a must-start this week because the Chiefs, as he put it, have a better fantasy defense than a reality defense. And I've said this time and time again, I completely disagree with <laughs> Michael Fabiano on this
0: one. That's a great the Chiefs, drop. By. I want to just bring up this article that I just can't stand. <laughs> yeah. don't see it, I, don't know. <laughs> I, I completely disagree with him.
2: I think the Chiefs have a legit, real defense. That pass rush is scary. They're playing in Arrowhead, which is the loudest stadium uh, in the, the NFL. that's factor, too, for me. I definitely think that this is the Chiefs' game to lose. And for me, obviously a win is the best-case scenario. But if they do lose, I would just love to see their Raiders at least show up, look like they're going to compete, and have a good game. Because the, the Week 6 game that they lost, they had a really good opening drive, and then they just did nothing after that.
0: Well, it sounds like you you won't say what you think, and I respect that. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> no, I respect that. Yeah, and we've seen the Chiefs at home too with that crowd. Even against teams like New England, just get up early, crowd gets going, defense starts rushing, turnovers could be ugly. I think the start's huge, and this should be fun. Well, Chris Miller, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. And hey, who knows? If my prediction comes through, we can make those uh, AFC best shirts. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, That's real right. AFC best. Don't I like steal that. That. don't steal that. I don't <laughs> by me. Okay, Chris Miller, thanks again for coming on the show.
2: Yeah, my pleasure.
0: Big thanks to Heather Pink and Chris Miller for coming on the show and chatting it about sports. Really appreciate them taking time out of their day to make an appearance on this podcast. A reminder that the Money Mitch Effect can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play by just searching the title into the search bar and you will find it instantly. We work hard to make sure that this content, this show, is available to you. Thanks again for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. A lot going on this weekend. There's no college football left. That makes me sad. But I'm getting ready for bowl season. We'll also watch Army-Navy as well. And, yeah, it's time for the winter sports season to pick up. I think we're all excited for that. Mitch Michaels signing up. Thank you for listening to the Money Mitch Effect. Keep watching sports, people.